Oh, where, oh, where could my Scotty have gone? Oh, where, oh, where could he be? Hello, Scotty. I really am quite <laughs> speechless at that. I, it's not often I'm lost for words, but it's like, you know, um, if I did use words, they'd be expletive and, yeah. It's, Why um, are you trying to say yeah. that I'm at fault here and that I'm projecting your your having disappeared when in fact it's me who not only fucked off to New York but screwed up last week's recording? I I think John, let, let's let's just look. This is this is our third week of trying to record, and and so far, um, uh, forty six seconds in, we're being successful. But who knows? You know, who knows if it's going to carry on? But I think I think the first week you. You went to Los Angeles, I was believing, on on your yes. private jet, on your private <laughs> jet, and then um, on uh, I think last week, I, I think you just basically failed to comprehend the audio recording device universe again, and I think uh, uh, so. This week you're traveling again. Cause, did you say you are in New York this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and you have a recording device. So are we going to get a merge of the two? Is this like a complete <laughs> perfect storm of the John shit show, or, um, or, or, or or is this like is this going to be your your moment of uh, uh, your pinnacle moment of broadcast? <laughs> I was going to say it was a perfect storm of competence, <laughs> but. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah, I am in our New York office, and I'm, I'm loving, I'm, I love visiting them. Um, and this one, I'm in a room, and I'll have to make a picture for it, which has uh, Jimmy Hoffa on the outside. So I think with Jimmy Hoffa looking over me, how could anything go wrong? So you're doing a, a world tour of, well, a U.S. tour of Netflix offices, something like that. Is this um, the, the, none of the others want you, and they keep moving you on, or are you on a specific thing you can tell us about, or did you just decide that you wanted to work today from New York? Uh, it's a mixture of those things, actually. You know, I was heading back east because I got tickets to see um, Senegalese performer Yusu Ndor, who you probably know who he is because he recorded um, uh, with Peter Gabriel a famous song called um, In Your Eyes, where he does a vocal solo and he has such a distinctive voice that even if you don't know him by name, if you know that song, you know who he is. Um, and he was super famous in Senegal for years. In fact, he was even the minister of tourism there at some point, but uh, he was exposed to a, a, a different audience because of Peter Gabriel. Um, and that was back, whatever, in the, in the 80s. Um, and so he's performing in Carnegie Hall. And since he hardly ever comes to the United States these days, when tickets became available, whatever, a couple months ago, I just got tickets and then planned to, to travel to, to visit. And since I was already here for a couple of days and we have an office and, and uh, I'm able to do my work here and I find it really great to be able to meet people from different parts of the company just to discover kind of, you know, their perspective, their world, because since most of the software development, you know, certainly for product is done in Los Gatos, um, I think it's generally important to, to go visit other offices and, and, and get input and then kind of make, make myself known. So that's why. So I was going to say, is there, is there, a, you know, is there like people you regularly work with in New York, and so you're going to put, you know, see people you normally see on a, you know, a, a video meeting, or is it like you are just this like 
strange software developer who's just dropped into the New York office saying, hi, I'm John. And they're going, who the fuck are you? Uh, <laughs> a little bit of both. There are definitely people here who I've, I've seen on Zoom calls, and that was the same in Los Angeles. I mean, I think that there are plenty of people who you interact with, and, you know, it's, it's a combination of some people who, you know, you knew before the pandemic or some people you just met in the pandemic, and now you're meeting them in, in the flesh for the first time, and you're always, you know, greeting them and saying, wow, you're not on mute anymore. How great is that? Um, but I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is something to be done. I don't, I don't know why, why other people don't do it more often if they have the possibility of doing it. It's not easy to do and not everybody, it's obviously not everybody has the opportunity, but if you do have the opportunity, you don't take advantage of it. It seems silly. So it does. Well, I, uh, how long are you there for? I'm leaving on Sunday, and then I'm going to North Carolina and see my mom and see uh, see some friends. John, it's it's hard just to keep up with which time zone and where you are. But let's let's just uh, let's just um, take this from here. So you know, live from well, he's breathing. Whether <laughs> it's not really live, breathing from New York. <laughs> it's Wednesday morning, not Saturday night. It's Wednesday morning, not Saturday night, and John is here, and John is going to tell us about something amazing he has done. In the last, we've got three weeks now since we last uh, spoke about anything that anyone's heard about. So, uh, you know, John, what is what has tickled your fancy in the last three weeks? Well, you know, of things I can talk about, um, you know, the the forward march of accessibility we had in accessibility on site uh, last week, and that was great. And it's kind of a similar thing that people are working on many different aspects of it. Because when you talk about accessibility, it means obviously different things to different people in, in the world of of you know. TV and film production, typically people think about things like, you know, uh, subtitles for the deaf and hard hearing or closed captions or audio descriptions. So those type of things to, to make, you know, make video and movie content available to people who are deaf or blind or, or whatever. Um, and uh, then if you think about in terms of product, it's you think about it support for adaptive technology like voiceover and voice control and, you know, um, supporting preferred content size. And, and then if you talk about people who design offices, it has everything to do with, you know, are meeting rooms accessible? Can you can doors be opened, you know, with alternative means if you don't have the, the ability to physically turn a handle, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that that was very good just because people who look at the problem from different aspects are able to share their knowledge and their perspective and it makes everybody better at it. You know, the, the, the same practices that go into designing signage um, that's visible from a far distance or has the right type of contrast, if people are skilled in that, um, they can share their skill and be helpful for people who are doing it in a piece of software, for example. And similarly, you know, the art and science of audio description, which I've become very fascinated with, because I just I think it is an absolute art that if you have you know a very short period of time to describe what's going on in a scene and having to to describe the most salient aspects of it for somebody you know in those moments where there's not dialogue, people who are skilled at doing that you know are, are going to be very very helpful for somebody who's trying to figure out how to describe a piece of user interface. Um, so I think it's always good when when you have people that are working on a shared concern, but work in different practices because everybody gets to be better at it as a result. And I think the other thing, too, is that you discover that investments made in one area will yield in an, in someplace else. And, and I've, I've gone on about that for the longest time, but it, it just 
it becomes more and more obvious um, to me, and but more importantly to other people, what I think is very good because then you can start to see things from a whole. Because if you say, we're going to make a huge investment in audio description, they'll say, you know, initially people will say, well, that's quite a huge investment. How many people are going to use that? And then if you have to answer the question saying, well, you know, let's figure out and try and figure out what the percentage of people who are blind or have low vision in, in the in the in, in the population is. And, and if you look at it that way, it, it, first of all, I think it's fully justified because, you know, you want everybody to, to feel comfortable using your products or service. But the other way of doing it is just to look at how many other people who could then take advantage of it. Because, you know, I think one, one of the great takeaways I've seen from, from presentations where they talk about situational disability. And so you can say, well, you know, when might not when might you not have you know use of your eyes? Well, if, if you're blind or you have low vision, but you can have situational disability. If, for example, you have an eye injury, but even beyond that, you could say you know if if you're a new parent and, and your eyes are are paying attention to something else because you're having to to make sure that your toddler is not toddling off somewhere, or if you are deep in the zone of exercising, in which case maybe you know listening and having the audio description of a title would be very very welcome for you if you have to, you know, if you're, you're on an exercise machine or out for a walk. And so when you start to see that, that the investment in audio description flows through to, to many other situations, then people start to see that it's not just some, you know, thing that's done in some in service to some small constituency, it's making it better for everybody. And that's what I keep telling people, like, repeat after me, accessibility is a design practice, and it makes life better for who? For everybody. <laughs> just go on. This picture now of you traveling all over the US to the office and making them say that mantra out to you. That's <laughs> true. John's accessibility tour. Here it is. All together, everybody. Yes. And they're like, okay, just humor him and he'll go away. I, I think it is. I mean, I know we talk about this a lot because it is, you know, it, it's very, I mean, it's not all you do, but it's very, very central to what you do um, and obviously very, very important to you on a, a personal level of the, the you, you you get it right but it does it does still feel um you, you know because every time yeah i'm trying to think how to say this the best way that but, but, you know even though we talk about this a lot uh and you're involved in a lot when you hear this stuff being discussed um and it gets discussed a reasonable about on other shows and on blog posts and whatever else it's Still, unfortunately, got this sense that it's a bit of an alien world. Hmm. Um, it's still like, uh, you know, when Auto Layout came out and everyone was insisted they were going to continue with strings and struts. Springs and struts, not strings and struts. It was string, string, string held stuff together. That's springs and struts um, on there. And yeah, everyone could see that the, uh, this isn't a very good analogy, really. Um, but now, you know, there's still loads of stuff set on auto layout. And when someone has an auto layout discussion, of which there's still many and there's many problems, at least we're talking in a world that is now, that we all live in is familiar. And we and most people have, have moved on, because even if you do it in code or IB, you still, people, most people are still using auto layout. They're not, you know, the old ways of doing things are gone. Whereas accessibility isn't, I know, replacing anything. It's It's like been built into and on top of it still feels that you know yeah when we do it when we when we have a discussion about auto layout now and some sort of problem with it or something that's not working we don't you know people don't begin the discussion about what is auto layout on the whole 
doesn't know it. Whereas I still think in the, sadly, when it comes to accessibility, there is still this need in many cases to say, well, what is accessibility? What does that mean? How, what are the fundamentals of this? How does it work? And before people jump in and it, and to me, it just says that, you know, this is not, uh, although many applications, particularly from the bigger, the companies with the more resources to do it, particularly, I guess that's, that's some of the issue here is still resource to do it. Um, you know, are, are making great strides in this. It's I still don't think it's the norm, and that's a little bit sad. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, that's absolutely a fair point, and I think that the way that 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 changes is that it's you could say that that you know quality control or proper debugging or you know instrumentation or any of these other practices that yield better results um used to be rarefied things and then the the they got built into the tools they got built into components and processes that people you know follow and use and then people don't think about it unless they 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 care about it but if they do think about it then then it you transfer your energy into into aspects of polish and not just basic kind of compliance or 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 you know you know kind of baseline capabilities and so that that's why i i, I don't really tire of talking about it um because i it, it, because i don't you know because I, I i care about it personally but i also i i end up finding that i i just use it you know um and it, it, it's not getting better, and to the extent that you know, I find now if I don't have my glasses on, I really can't see you know many things. And so I, I'm grateful for for you know being able to bump up the type size and having UI scale. But I also I also then notice that if there are other adaptations that are made, um, it just makes life easier. When I think about about being able to use Siri, for instance, to to set a timer when I'm in my kitchen, I know it's kind of you know whatever a, a well worn. Um, use or or even just the fact that that Apple Maps driving instructions are so good, and then I compare it to when it's not. I you know I if you take a if you drive a Tesla and you ever I don't know if you've ever been inside one, they have a map and they rolled their own mapping system and their directions absolutely suck. <laughs> they absolutely suck. <laughs> and part of the reason I mean there are lots of reasons why, but I think one of the big difference that makes Apple so much better is that they have people you know if you, if you are very good at, at describing something then you can if you can make the assumption that what happens if somebody's only listening how can we describe what's going on using landmarks that people don't have to 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 move their eye and look at the screen or look down or whatever and that's an amazing thing so that's just it's that's that's why i keep saying that you know the the key to being good at it it's not really a code issue it's just walking around and 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 looking at the physical environment i i, I you know me that i love making snark videos of things and and one of my great joys, I know it sounds pathetic, but when I, I look at crossing uh, signals, you know, that, that they have like a big, you know, a, a big button that you can press, which will, for, for people who are blind, which will tell whether it's safe to, to, to cross the street or not. And usually it's in a very kind of uh, anodyne voice. But in New York, <laughs> they had a real human being recording it. And I'll, I'll put it in the show, show notes. But it's like it's very, very New York. It's very much of the place. And I think it's just funny. It's like, you know, wait, wait, hey, hey, what are you doing there? Get back. Hey, stop. Hey, <laughs> Their car's coming get, off, get back on the pavement. <laughs> 
And yeah. so I think it's like one of those things where, you know, it, it, you had the option. You, you, if, if your task was to be able to do it, you can do the task and, and get it done kind of in, in, in a regular fashion. But you can have some verve. And, and I'm willing to bet that once little kids or, or tourists, you know, like me, discover I'm nothing if not a little kid tourist, you sit there and, and you have delight. And I'm sitting here smiling and filming it and people are looking at me. What are you doing? <laughs> and, and then they themselves realize like, hey, somebody did this and it takes a traveler to to notice something that I walk by and don't pay much attention to. So I'm happy to play that role. But but what I'm getting at is that, you know, I think that looking around in, 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 in the physical environment and, and understanding what it's like to be able to, to rely on one sense to make up for a loss in another one is, is that's, that's an exercise that you can then uh, help you in your work. So that's the end of my speech. Scotty, tell us about your week. Well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you about it. I mean, I might do it in a minute for some of them, but just something else I'd like to talk about. And that's, sure. um, it's, it's now official, John, that the iPod is dead. Oh, right, um, yes. Apple have now uh, stopped, you know, the, the, the iPod Touch is discontinued. And, and let's be honest, the iPod Touch has been a, like the phone without the phone for, you know, many, many years. And it's so it's not really been the iPod in there. But it's I think it's just taken a worth a quick you know, few minutes to aside to just acknowledge what the iPod was. I mean, the mm-hmm. iPod was not was not the first um, uh, digital music device by any means. It was probably the first one that was usable <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, or in a way that made you think this could be pleasurable um, or to be able to, you know, before the iPod, realistically, you could, yes, you could have thousands of songs on on a device, but, you know, picking the one you wanted to play was not mm-hmm. really anything you could do. You just, you got one of, you know, one or more of your thousands of songs. The iPod introduced UI and all this to it in a way and, and was a very expensive device. It, it really was the iPod that, in many ways, changed Apple from being oh, a yeah. computer company to a personal device company. Um, in there, and it is interesting. You know, I, I, you, you can question if we'd never had the iPod, would we have ever had the iPhone? Is this a market that Apple would have ever come into? Um, in there, so you know, this little beast of a of a music device was um you know was was changed things but it it is interesting that you know it's been 20 years since the ipod was introduced um and realistically very very few people have bought dedicated music devices portable music for a long time now they might have been selling the ipod for a while yet but i mean it definitely not as just a music device it's been more of a you know a, a phone without a phone is the way i think so a lot of people have been buying it uh, but you know the phone replaced that um and the phone was released in 2007 so realistically the ipod was only seven years old um when when the phone came out and replaced it the ipod touch did the ipod touch come at the same time or was it, it was very shortly after if not at the same time wasn't it so, a little while after yeah yeah so so the old ipod there so this this idea that this revolutionary device also realistically only had a seven-year lifespan is I also find quite interesting, and yet everyone, uh, you know, knows about it and, and talks about it, and um, you know, and it's moved on, you know, and I, it just makes me wonder what is our other devices going to go the same way? I mean, the iPhone in now is you know um, fifteen years old, is it? Must be. It was two thousand and seven, wasn't it? We're twenty twenty two. Yeah, fifteen mm. years old. Uh, it's still the current device, so it's already had a life. Um, of being, you know, primed twice as long as the iPod had 
being used, you know, but uh, um, it just made me think about device evolution and, you know, where are we going next? Because we all see the iPod as this long thing. It actually didn't last that long. And, um, yeah, it just made me consider, firstly, what would have happened if Apple had not done it in the first place? Uh, secondly, some fond memories of how great it was. And, you know, just some questions about, you know, 10 more years and then is the iPhone going to be something that's dead because we've moved on to something far more revolutionary because unlike was that it just makes me appreciate that the early 2000s were this time when we had a belief that everything that we used to do could be changed by a digital revolution mm. and and we could by now whereas I think now we have an expectation of the things that we do will get better but I'm not convinced we're sat here thinking everything's about to change. Uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, the 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 the, the first thing that it, that popped into my mind was uh, the introduction of haptic feedback because you know the original iPod quick click wheel was a physical device, and then and then they added a track and they had haptics so that you could actually you know sense instead of having to actually have something that that physically moved, and that I thought was a huge breakthrough, um, but. I, when I think about, you know, what do these devices do? They make it possible for you to do things that, that were certainly possible to do. It was certainly possible to do page layout and design manually using pressing, you know, type, strips of type that you cut out with a with a, an X-Acto knife and pasted, you know, using wax onto a board and then a halftone screen that was made on this enormous camera and was a specialized, you know, thing and that... And then all of a sudden, all that could be done on computers. And for a while, it took a while for the quality to be the same. And then the quality just completely surpassed anything about photography. You know, that, that, that's you know, the one thing that is, to, that is really, you know, I'm still amazed at how good a production I can produce using this device that I have in my pocket. So, you know, I think that it's pretty clear that, that we will be able to do more and more things. But I think to the to the question of of you know will people look and and look back in x number of years five years ten years and say oh my god you had to touch a device how you know how savage or you know why shouldn't you just have it you know that that's when when I think the next big frontier is, is somehow where it's it's I, I I'm almost afraid to say it out loud implants of some sign of some kind because you remember when the Walkman came out and people thought this would be the end of civilization because everybody would be walking around with headphones and they they would seem to be present but they wouldn't be because you have music. They were right. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were, they were right. totally they, right. <laughs> yeah. And and but then it, it changed now that if you have you know when you had Bluetooth headsets and then then AirPods which are a little bit more discreet and, and uh, uh, you know it's still sticking out you can still see and that people are used to looking for it but it won't be that long before for you know people probably will have some things that will at least go inside the ear to such a degree that you might not notice or know whether they're on or not but then when you meet somebody in the physical world in the same way that you know two self-driving cars when they pass by each other they probably send messages and that's for for the the sake of safety and to be able to identify and, and to be able to to use this type of of sensing capability to make the physical world safer or better for us and it's hard not to imagine that humans won't start adapting some things like that i don't think that you know it's going to be you know five years where everybody has Neuralink, you know uh you know devices implanted in their skull unless unless they're for instance trying to to, to regain use of motor control that that was not possible because of nerve damage for example but in 20 years time i think it's it's probably you know 
people were like, I can't believe you put a tattoo all over your body. And now it's like, I can't believe you, you don't have, you know, whatever, a neural tattoo or an, an uh, under subdermal eye eye device implant or some sort so that when you're out and about in the physical world and you want to send instructions to somebody, you don't sit there and pull a device out of your pocket and tap at it and, and, and gesture. You'll just think it and off it goes. You know. Yeah. So as developers, I mean, that's quite interesting. And thinking back now to when the, just before the iPhone came out and, you know, for maybe two or three years, there were rumors of an iPhone. The tech podcast spoke about, you know, we didn't call it the iPhone, you know, an Apple phone or whatever else in there. And, um, yeah, and, and to be honest, most of the world ignored those discussions. Most of the world couldn't see what the point was or whatever else. And of course, then the phone arrived, and it did. So I suspect you know there are there are lots of things at the moment like AI, AR, um, you know, glass. All these things are being spoken about on different podcasts, different different you know channels at the time, of which some people are taking interest, some people aren't. Most people don't see the point, but it could be that one of those you know in in ten years time will be oh. Yeah, it was obvious. Now you look back or whatever else. Although I have to say, you know, as a, you know, uh, anything based on software right now, you know, putting a software update uh, on your phone is, is, can be nerve wracking. Um, putting a software update into your neural implant. <laughs> Where's dad? He's comatose on the sofa because he was bricked by the 13.6 update. <laughs> Grandpa's bricked again. That's great. Huh? Yeah, there there's, the, there's the title for today. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Anyway, that was just a just an and a thought. So there we are now. Uh, so what have I been doing? Uh, yeah, it's still um, still pretty much tied up in the two two things I've been tied up in for months now. We're a uh, uh, it was client work mainly. This migration stuff still going on. We're in this sort of testing and QA phase, and it's just a long old slog of you know. Again, we've I've had this conversation now with you thirty times of you know, reset, retry, different scenarios. Server didn't work. Server did work. Low network capacity. Run out of space on the device. Still, whatever else. Just just constantly test, test, test. And it's it's just so slow going, and you know the. Yeah, I'm not going to repeat it, but the the thing is that you just know, as a developer, have you've been around for a while, you just know that it doesn't matter how long we do this. The moment we do it for real, there'll be something we didn't think of, or yeah. didn't test, or didn't do. And you know, this is an app with you know a lot of users, um, not as many as a Netflix or a um, uh, yeah a, a Google or an Apple, obviously, but it, yeah, but still, you know millions and, and, and millions of users and you know you you're you're dealing with the, the you know the one percent attitude I was having a discussion about it with someone the other day about a different issue uh, with an application and you know and uh, it was someone who was just doing something on the team they'd not been around on that that long um and I said yeah but it's going to work 99 percent of the time and um yeah the point was well that one percent is an awful lot of people and even if one percent of the one percent get in touch with support then you know support crashes and crumbles and in 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 whatever else so you have to you have to um uh change the stuff you know you have to consider this stuff and it really you know it 
and the comparison of that with MoneyWell, where you know, we're, we're dealing with thousands of users, um, and therefore 1% is almost like, well, we're not going to bother fixing it, therefore. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, <laughs> I, I exaggerate a little bit there. Uh, yeah, the attitude you... Know. you the attitude you have to have in um, uh, in, in doing, it. and and you're working on two projects that are so you know that are going through complex testing phases at the same time, um, but have very different um, user numbers and consequences of users and and ways of of doing things. Um, does does sort of highlight to me on some days the the different choices you can make from one to the other and the different requirements there can be with one another, which is, yeah, I, I, I guess it's, it's, it's blatantly obvious when you just stop for two minutes to think about it. But um, just there when you're seeing it you know, right in your face uh, each day is um, quite an interesting comparison. It is. I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... I won't hold you to that admission. <laughs> I was like, well, if it's small enough, monitor, it maybe just doesn't get fixed. But that 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 exists everywhere. There. Um... Well, yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase that. It's not that it won't get fixed, but I would. I mean, you have to prioritize. Not 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 data loss. I mean, data. I mean, in, in in application development, data loss, loss of person's data is a no no. Regardless, yeah, you, mm-hmm. that's, you should never ship something that knowingly lose data. I don't care how desperate you are. You should never ship something that knowingly loses data. Uh, but once you get past that, you know, it's it's um, uh, you know, and should never ship something that knowingly corrupts data um, unless you are one hundred percent certain you can recover that data if you for for some i'll just add that as a caveat but even that's probably not very true but it's you know if it's something that's annoying to someone let's just say it's more annoying or going to create a problem or is going to need a workaround um and you are doing with an app that has thousands of users um you know you can make the decision to say well this is going to affect five percent of users they're going to have to have a workaround um we we'll get we'll get this fixed in the next release or the release after that and we'll publish the workaround on our website and then we'll just set up and you know we'll just have an email template for the support person to to use to go back to it because you can do that whereas you know if if that five percent is going to get you know uh is you know 25 million users you can't do that because i don't care how big your support department is you cannot handle 25 million people all complaining at the same time you really you just can't so um uh it's uh yeah so it's it's not about uh the leeway you have to ship bugs and let's face it we all ship bugs you're always going to ship bugs but the leeway you have to ship bugs decreases with the volume of users you have because of the consequences of those problems yep there we go. Well said. And I, th- and I think this is. I think this is. Um, if people want to, uh, you know, understand this a bit more, then maybe look into um, the Under the Radar podcast um, with Marco Armand and David Smith. Now, David Smith is an independent iOS developer, which I'm sure everyone who listens to this show is is heard of. You know, just releases lots of lots of apps. Basically, this you know, can a couple of apps a year. Um, just keeps releasing lots of little apps. You know, they have a certain user base. They make him some money, and he just cycles them. Sometimes kills them off. Sometimes improves them. And and yeah, that's probably the way a lot of um, independent developers you know um, make a living and work. And then he he released 
he was doing exactly the same thing. iOS introduced widgets, and he introduced a product called Widgetsmith, and, you know, it just absolutely took off. It absolutely took off. And, you know, he said, um, you know, he handled all his support by email, but now all of a sudden he was getting 100,000 emails a day. <laughs> and he's one one developer. And it just said it was, you know, listen to some of that, just that stark realization of how volume changes things totally. It's... um. Because he says, you know, he couldn't employ enough people, <laughs> even with that, to, you know, to suddenly be able to handle 100,000 emails a day on this stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's to, uh, look that up. It's, it's an interesting um, story. I think that that is something for the show notes, as is a reference to the Cindy Lauper song, Money Changes Everything, which should be rewritten to Volume Changes Everything. Well, gosh, Scotty, um, it could possibly be time for us to, to bring this ship back home. Um, so I'm going to ask the the question, if if that's okay. I mean, I didn't mean to cut you short. No, no, that's fine. You go for it. Okay. Well, Scotty, if people want to, you know, find out ways to be able to um, make sure that that their grandfather doesn't get doesn't get bricked by a software update you eventually <laughs> produce, where might they make plead their case? Ah, uh, well, you can send me an Elon. Um, <laughs> you can send me an Elon. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. <laughs> I was I was gonna my alternate thing was like if you want to make sure that Elon Musk doesn't control Twitter, where might you do things to tank Tesla stock so he can't afford to the, for the transaction to take place? That is true. For now, you can uh, get hold of me on Twitter where I am Mac Devnet, and um, you know we'll we'll see, we'll see what happens going forward on that one. And, and John, where can people? Uh, try and follow you and see where you are in the world next uh well i should probably give people access to the air tag that's been put on <laughs> put in my neck um and so you can follow along on twitter <laughs> where i'm jembe that's d-j-e-m-b-e like the west african drum excellent well john it's been a pleasure speaking to you you sound exactly the same in new york as you do in san francisco that's reassuring the accent didn't change you spent a lot of time in new york in the past See, sometimes people when they go back somewhere they pick up old twangs but um you mm. just you just sound like John, and the singing was still <laughs> terrible. But there we are. <laughs> Thank you, Scotty. <laughs> As a measure. So thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, wherever you are, whether you're in one place, whether you're traveling, whether you have one user or 200 million, thanks for listening. And until next time, you take care while crossing the street. Walk.